Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swillard. We're wrapping up this series today. It's been a six-part series. And I know that not everybody has probably been able to be here for all six parts. And the first two parts were uh, inspirational. And these last four parts have been a a little bit more teaching. And so if you've missed any of this, I think it's really important. It would be really great if you go back and you listen or watch these messages. You can do that on our website, siegechurchtn.com slash messages. Or you can do it on our Apple podcast. But like I said, a good part of this teaching has been delivered to you, or a good part of this message has been delivered to you in the form of teaching and, um, instead of preaching. And sometimes I think we have the tendency to hear teaching, whether it's you know, biblical teaching or whether it's some other teaching that we're learning for school or learning for work. And we like take that stuff sometimes and we put it in the part of our brain. We've, we file it away in a part of our our brain's like this filing cabinet that says, okay, well, that's there when I need it if I'm ever tested on this, if, if I'm ever, like, quizzed on this. You know, if I ever have a chance to win a million dollars at Holy Spirit Trivia, I know where to go to that file cabinet in my brain and access that information. That would be nice, right, Jason? Yes, yes. okay. Take it out of that part of your brain and bring it over here to this part of your brain of experience. Because everything that we've been talking about, even though it's been been teaching, it's, it's for you to better know the Holy Spirit than you know Him now. It's for you to better have a relationship with Him than you have now. It's for you to better know how He works and operates and what He's all about more than you know now. So just take it out of that part of your brain, out of the filing cabinet, and bring it over here into the area of experience. Okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. So far, we've talked about 15 foundational truths that every believer can know about the Holy Spirit and needs to know about the Holy Spirit. And all of these foundational truths have been found in Scripture. They're not things that we just heard other people say. It's not hearsay. These things are, we've looked in the Bible. These are the things that the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And that's how we've drawn out these truths. And so we're going to talk about five more today, but let me just run through these 15. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. He is eternal. He is the Spirit of truth. Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Holy Spirit, using people, wrote the Bible. He's the author of the Bible. He used people. He is our teacher. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Holy Spirit can be quenched. Holy Spirit is our guide. He speaks only what the Father gives him to say. He predicts the future. He glorifies Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. And Holy Spirit is our reminder. Before we, again, jump into this message, I want you to know that uh, at the end of, of today, we're going to give you an opportunity for any of you that want to experience Holy Spirit baptism, you desire that, or you desire to be refilled, you know, we're going to talk about that here in a second. We're going give, to give space for that. We're going to give a moment for that. And so what we're going to do is uh, at the end of the message, there'll be like a soft dismissal. So if you need to leave for any reason, feel free to do that. That's okay. You're not any less spiritual if you need to go. Uh, you can go pick up your kids. And if you want to go pick up your kids and bring them back in here, uh, that's totally fine as well. 
But the, the worship team is going to come up, and we're just going to spend some time in worship and in prayer and give people that opportunity. If they want to be prayed, come down and be prayed for to receive Holy Spirit baptism, you can. If you just want to sit in your chair, if you want to stand, whatever posture you take is fine. But we're just going to spend a moment in the presence of God and, uh, and just say, Holy Spirit, fill us, okay? And so there's that. So let's get in here to our next foundational truth as we wrap up this series. Holy Spirit gives power. Everybody say that with me. Holy Spirit gives power. Now, I know some of you have been wondering for like six weeks now. You've been like, when is he going to be getting to this power issue? We know it's coming. We've been talking about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but we've not really talked about this part. Well, here we are. Holy Spirit gives power. Acts 1, 8. Jesus said this. This is like the last thing that he said before he ascended to heaven. And he said, you will receive power. Now, that word power, a lot of you guys know this, that it's that Greek word dunamis, which is where we get the English word dynamite. So Jesus is saying, you're going to receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be able to be my bold witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you look at this passage in context, you could make an argument that Jesus' disciples were probably not as interested about the promise that Jesus was making about the Holy Spirit. They weren't as excited about it as they should have been. They, they had other things on their mind. They seemed to be more concerned at that moment with, is now the time that Jesus is going to overthrow Rome and reestablish the kingdom of Israel? Because that's what the question they were asking in verse 6. But Jesus doesn't end around their question, and he tells them, Real power, you guys, is not political. Real power is spiritual. Real power does not have anything to do with the government that's ruling you. Real power has to do with everything with about the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you. And so 10 days after Jesus makes this promise to them, they're gathered in this upstairs room of this house, 120 of them, on the day of Pentecost, and boom, the promise comes. Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit has come, and power is experienced. And his power was basically experienced in three different ways. First, there came a demonstration of supernatural power that defied any natural explanation. Although Jesus said this, Jesus said that the kingdom of God would not be visible. What was he talking about there? He's talking about the kingdom of God is not about coming. Jesus wasn't coming to earth to establish a political kingdom. You know, something that had borders, something that had walls, something that, you know, uh, where, where there were taxes and, you know, things like that. It wasn't like uh, an earthly kingdom. That's not what he, he, he wasn't, I didn't come here to do that. But the ironic thing is that the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit actually was visible. It was physical. And it began in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, There came into that house a mighty rushing wind. Now, you guys remember uh, from our Holy Spirit series from last year, you guys remember what one of the Hebrew words is for spirit? It's ruach, right? It's wind. And here we have Holy Spirit's coming into this house like a mighty rushing wind, not like a gentle breeze, you know. He's there, power. And I find it interesting, again, that the Acts says that these 120 disciples that they were gathered the Bible says they were sitting. And I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. Why does the Bible make this distinction? Why does the Bible, 
why does the, the, the writer of Acts, why does he think it's important to put that detail in there? They weren't standing. They weren't kneeling. They weren't running around the place. It just says they were sitting. So what does their posture tell me? Their posture tells me is that you don't have to work for Holy Spirit baptism. You don't have to work to get Holy Spirit power. You can actually rest in the place of prayer. That's what the disciples were doing. They'd gathered for prayer. They'd been devoting themselves to prayer for the last 10 days. They were resting in the place of prayer. When I say resting in the place of prayer, that rest doesn't just mean like they were like taking a nap during prayer time. It doesn't mean they're just like, oh, I'm resting in the place of prayer. It could mean that, but it could mean other things. Resting in the place of prayer is what we just did just a moment ago as we were praying over our nation. That was also resting in the place of prayer. And so they're resting in the place of prayer. They're not working. They're not trying. They're just coming to agreement with God's plan into that place of prayer, and boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. That's when that violent blast of wind came rushing through the house, and they were able to hear, they were able to see, and they were able to feel what had been unprecedented in history up to that point, and that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says that they looked at each other, and they saw these, like, some translations say says tongues of fire. When I heard that as a kid, I was just thinking like a tongue that was on fire. But like a little pillar of fire, like a little flame, like a little fireball, you know, floating over people's heads somehow. That's what, that, that's what it looked like. It kind of gives a whole new meaning to the, you know, like being a hothead. But, but they, it's the visible holy fire. It's the visible evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism. And then what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, 17, it came to pass... Because in Acts 2.4 it says that they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Remember in Mark 16? Jesus said that, that my followers will be able to do that. What we know about these tongues that were spoken on the day of Pentecost is that they were speaking actual recognizable languages. Verse uh, 6 of, of Acts 2 says that the multitude that had gathered... Remember, this is... This was on the day of Pentecost. It was a feast day. So everybody that was gathered in Jerusalem, they weren't all from Jerusalem. There were all kinds of -of out-of-towners. There were all kinds of people that had, they spoke some different languages. They had different dialects. And they heard the believers, these 120 believers, speaking in their language, in their dialect, using their slang. And we don't know for sure what it was that they were saying, but I can only imagine they were preaching the gospel. They were sharing the story of the good news. And there were actual languages that each one of them heard speaking. Now, the second way Holy Spirit was, power was experienced on that day was that they were given this inner ability to grasp what had previously been dark to them, previously what had been mysterious to them, previously what they hadn't understood now it was all making sense to them. Listen, it wasn't even until Holy Spirit baptism that the disciples came to realize the real purpose of Jesus coming to earth. They hadn't put all the, the puzzle pieces together yet. You say, J.D., how do you know that? Because of what we read in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Jesus had already been hanging out on earth for 40 days. He'd already been resurrected 40 days. And they're still asking him, 
Is it time? Is it time now? Are you going to, re, are you going to establish the kingdom of Israel back to its former glory? Is that what you're going to do, Jesus? So they still hadn't connected all the dots, but now the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and now they're getting what they previously hadn't understood. So what is it that they understand now? Number one, they understand that the falling of the Spirit is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 2. They now understand that Jesus' death on the cross, it wasn't an accident, it wasn't a mistake, but it was purposed for salvation. They now understood that Jesus' resurrection demonstrated that he really was who he said he was. You know, Jesus asked Peter, who, who do they say that I am? And Peter said, well, some say that, you know, you're Moses. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And Jesus said to Peter, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God, right? Peter knows that, but he doesn't really know it, know it until this moment. And, Jesus, and so he's understanding this. Wow, Jesus really is who he said he was. He's the Son of God. He's the resurrected Son of God. They understand this, that the ascension, that moment that Jesus, after the resurrection, that moment that he did this you know, Star Trek beam me up Scotty moment right in front of them, that it took place so that the Holy Spirit could now come. And then they understood that anyone could be forgiven and anyone could receive Holy Spirit if they repent and they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. We know this according to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. The third way Holy Spirit power was experienced was through the ability to be a bold witness to the fact that Jesus is Lord. Acts 1.8, we've read that scripture numerous times throughout this, and it connects two things, making them virtually inseparable. And those two things are this, power and witnessing. They're intertwined. The power was not merely for their own enjoyment. Although I'm sure it was very exciting to, to be in that moment. It was exciting to this mighty rushing wind. Even maybe a little scary at first, not knowing what's going on. And then, under, and then seeing these, these little flames of fire on people's heads. And then speaking out different languages. I'm sure all that was really exciting. But Holy Spirit didn't give them that power so they could just have their own goosebumps. or their own. The, it's just like, oh, I just got all the good feels. It wasn't for them just by themselves. It was for what they're going to do with this power. Holy Spirit power is what enabled Peter to confront thousands of Jews with absolute fearlessness. Now you've got to remember, just weeks before this moment, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus to a little Galilean servant girl. And now he's preaching to the most powerful Jews of the day. And uh, about what they needed to do. It wasn't like a suggestion. Peter's sermon to them in Acts chapter 2 wasn't like, hey guys, let me tell you a really cool story. And at the end of it, you know, here's like the little lesson you can learn. No, he is like saying, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. This is the gospel. And, and, and Peter's preaching is so effective that the scripture says is that the hearers were cut to the heart. Another, another translation says they were pierced. To the heart. Another one says crushed. They were crushed. Their response was to Peter's message, to this powerful Holy Spirit message they're hearing from Peter. Their response was this. If what you're saying is true, then what do we need to do now? 
Keep in mind this. These are the exact same people that just moments before this, they're making fun of the disciples. They're scoffing at them. They're making fun of these 120 disciples who were filled with the Spirit. Oh, man, what is going on with these guys? They're acting crazy. They must have had too much to drink. And some people think that they were poking fun of them because of the speaking in tongues bit, but that can't be because they were speaking recognizable languages. So it couldn't have been the, well, they were making fun of them because they were speaking in tongues. I think possibly it could have been because they were just so full of joy. They might have been laughing, having a good time with each other. I don't know, but they're so full of the Holy Spirit acting, however, that they're like, man, these guys, what time of day is it here? I didn't realize the story. I didn't realize Kroger was open already. You could go over there to the beer section. I don't What's the deal? I hope this moment in history is like saved on like our heavenly DVR. Because I want to get up to heaven someday and like play this moment back just to see what happened exactly. Just to see how did this look? You know, um, you know, it's quite possible these bystanders thought the disciples were drunk because. Again, they, these newly baptized believers, the Holy Spirit baptized believers, they're just so full of extreme joy. After hearing Peter preach, everybody were making fun. They were just moments ago. They were making fun of the disciples, but after hearing Peter preach, now they're going, what do we do next? What do we do now? What is our response? How is this explained? Supernatural power that defines, it defies any kind of natural explanation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul said that the kingdom of God consists not in talk, but in power. And not only is Holy Spirit power relevant and available to you to be a bold witness to the testimony of Jesus, but he's also giving you power, and that it's relevant and available to you for holy living. You know, the way that you live is a testimony to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to live a life that's honoring to God. The next foundational truth about Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit manifests through various gifts. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. These including wisdom... Words of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Nine things. Now think about for a moment, think about your house. Your house has electricity that's going to your house, right? You know, the line comes down off of here or it come, runs underground it goes into your house. And you've got wires that are running all through your house, going to all the different rooms. And that electricity allows you to wash your clothes, it allows you to iron your clothes, it allows you to cook dinner on the stovetop, it enables you to, you know, power your computer, to charge your phone. But all of those things, they come from the same source, right? Right. It's not a trick question. In the life of the Spirit-filled believer, Holy Spirit is the source of power, and He can manifest through various spiritual gifts such as healings and miracles and revelations and utterances. 1 Corinthians 12, this passage that we just read, Paul mentions nine different spiritual gifts, and we can categorize them into three groups of three. The first group is the 
revelation gifts. Word of wisdom has to do with knowing or having supernatural wisdom regarding a present situation or even a future situation. It's kind of like I told you guys the story last week when I walked into the back door of that house that we were looking at. I wasn't even interested. I was just going over there to, to you know, be nice to a friend. And I walked in that house, and Holy Spirit said to me, this will be profitable for you someday. That was a word of wisdom. And I knew that, and so we bought the house. And guess what? It was profitable for us <laughs> when we sold it to Walgreens, praise God. Uh, one example of this in the Bible is Acts chapter 6. Uh, Stephen, verse 8, Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. And some educated men, they rose up and argued with Stephen, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. That's a word. That's, Stephen was operating in wisdom, in the spirit of wisdom. Word of knowledge is something that, that you know, but you don't know it by any other way except the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. Uh, I remember this, this story always is very prominent to me when I think, uh, back on words of knowledge. I was in college. Uh, I think I was had already graduated. Jamie and I were working part-time at the school. We were, leading, um, we were leading the worship team there that, that led worship every morning for chapel. And I had this, this uh, young college kid. When I say young I mean, he was like two years younger than me, maybe. <laughs> and uh, he, he had something he said that he was going to miss the next day, he's like, hey, I'm not going to be here. I'm, I'm going to miss this, this uh, next day. I'm going to be out. I said, well, how, how come? And he wouldn't give me a straight answer. He kept him hawing around and beating around the bush. And I just I said, okay, well, there you have it. What, I hope everything's okay with you. So the next morning, uh, this is the day that, that he's not going to be there. I'm in the shower. I'm getting ready for the day. I'm just, I don't even know. I wasn't even really thinking or praying about him. But the Holy Spirit revealed to me why he wasn't going to be there that day. And uh, it wasn't a really good reason for him to not be there. <laughs> and so I, uh, <laughs> the next day, he, he was there. He showed up to, uh, you know, to school, and he was all happy. He was really excited. I said, hey, man, um, can I talk to you for a second? You know, I didn't call him out in front of everybody. So we gave over to the side, and I said, hey, I know why you weren't here yesterday. And his eyes got about this big around, and his jaw dropped to the floor because he knew that I knew. And he goes, how do you know? I said, because the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit told me that you were off doing this yesterday. He goes, you're absolutely right. I said, man, that could have waited. We needed you here. You needed to be here for classes. And you weren't straightforward with us. And, you know, I don't think God's angry with you. I'm not angry with you. But I think this is just an opportunity for you to learn to get your priorities in the right place. The Holy Spirit is wanting you to know that through this situation. And, man, I tell you what, he was, he was broken about that, he, like in a good way. Like that, that hit him right where he needed it to. It wasn't like guilt and condemnation. It was almost like, oh, wow. Man, the Holy Spirit cares about how I use my time wisely. The Holy Spirit cares that I'm not skirting my responsibilities. And you know what? From that moment forward, man, that guy was faithful in his service and in all the duties that he had to perform in the worship team and in his schooling. Really proud of that guy. 
It was a word of knowledge. I couldn't have known it any other way except the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. And I didn't use it to embarrass him. I didn't use it to heap condemnation on him. I used it to call him up higher. Amen? And it can look at a lot of different ways, word of knowledge can. Uh, the, the third gift in this group is the discerning of spirits. That's where you're able to sense what's happening in the supernatural realm. You're able to sense what's happening in the, in the hearts of other people. You're able to sense, um, you know, angels, the presence of angels and demons. You're able to maybe even see the presence of Jesus himself, this discerning of spirits. The second group is the power gifts. This would include miracles, the gift of healing, the working of faith. Biblical examples of the gift of miracles would, you know, range from anywhere from like calming a storm to, you know, restoring limbs uh, to, you know, feeding 5,000 people off of just five loaves and two fish, raising the dead. Gift of healing, that's kind of obvious. It's there to heal sickness and diseases. The working of faith would include having faith for the accomplishment of some extraordinary task beyond human power, beyond the, the power of any individual, especially. The third group are the utterance gifts. Those would include, you know, a message in tongues, like in the gathering. A few weeks ago we had that. But it also includes the interpretation of that message in tongues. And it also includes prophecy. And we know prophecy, uh, it's, it's there to exhort. It's there to build up. It's there to edify. It's there to comfort. And these gifts... All nine of these gifts are available to any believer who's experienced Holy Spirit baptism. They're available to you. The next foundational truth about the Holy Spirit is that he directs people to Jesus and he makes him real. And he makes Jesus real to people. And I love this distinction here. And it really kind of fits in with our newly adopted purpose statement. You know, we've had from the very beginning of Seed Church a vision statement and a mission statement. We've got our core values. But one of the things that we hadn't had was a purpose statement that's kind of like the umbrella that covers all of those things. And uh, just recently, over the last uh, you know, few months, I've adopted this and I've talked about it with some of you. And you've heard things from time to time. Because when I say this, this won't be something new to you. But we exist as a church to introduce people to the real Jesus... Because everybody was created to be in relationship with God. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He makes Jesus real to people. It's not about we're introducing people to a laundry list of religious rules that they have to now follow. We're not introducing people to all these spiritual hoops that people have to now jump through. No, we're introducing people to the real Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He says that he will testify about me. What makes people want to turn to Jesus? Holy Spirit. What makes uh, Jesus real to people? Holy Spirit. What makes Jesus, what Jesus did for us, his dying on the cross, his resurrection, what makes that real? Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, John chapter 6, 44, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What's the aim of the Holy Spirit's witness? Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit directs people to Jesus. It's the Spirit who makes people see their need for Jesus. Remember the 11 core disciples? 
I say 11 because by this time Judas was out of the picture. The 11 core disciples, they didn't really get it yet. Why Jesus rose from the dead. Why he had died, why he rose from the dead. Even after they had seen his resurrected body. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit fell on them at the day of Pentecost that it all came together for them. The Holy Spirit made it real to them what was happening. The next foundational truth about Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit manifests through various fruits. Through various fruit. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Very, probably all of us in here have heard this or are familiar with this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Y'all have heard me say this from time to time. But apple trees don't have to try to produce apples. They just do it because it's part of their DNA. And followers of Jesus, spirit-filled believers, don't have to try to produce the fruit of the Spirit They just do it because it's part of their spiritual DNA. This list of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul gives us is not a spiritual to-do list. It's not a spiritual, like, you know, achievement list. That's not what it is. What Paul is saying here is that this is what your life is going to look like when you're really yielded to the way of the Holy Spirit. This is like the, the natural byproduct Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These things are the natural byproduct of people who spend time with the Holy Spirit, who yield themselves to the way of Holy Spirit. It's not a list of spiritual hoops to jump through. If you're a believer, if you find yourself and you find that the fruit of your life doesn't look like these things here, the fruit of the Spirit, then just... Run a diagnostic on your life. You know, do some examination and say, what am I doing to partner with, to come into agreement with, to cultivate my relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? And I'm telling you, it's just the natural byproduct of people who spent time with him and have, are walking in obedience by faith to what he says. Two questions. Is it possible... Is it possible to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and not exemplify the fruit of the Spirit? And is it possible to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit and not operate in the gifts of the Spirit? I see some of you, like, you're really wondering, like, am I going to get this right? Some of you are nodding your heads. I believe the answer to this is yes on both accounts. I believe, yes, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I've seen people operate in the gifts of the Spirit Obviously, like not, we're not talking about shyster stuff. We're not talking about fake stuff. I'm talking about they are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and you know it, and it's evident because you see the result, and then they walk out the door and do something that makes you scratch your head. And let me tell you, I've probably been, been one of those people before. I probably walked away from church and then yelled at my kids or something like that, and I was like, wow, well, that doesn't really ex- exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. And I've seen people that operate greatly in the fruit of the Spirit. You look at them and they're, man, you're the model Christian. But then they never tap into the power of the gifts of the Spirit. And it's like the Charismatics and the Pentecostals, we like to focus on, you know, the gifts, the evangelicals and the Reformed folks. They like to focus on the fruit. 
But I say, why not both? Let's have both. Both are available. Praise God. I need both. I want both. I say this, God, if you have it, I want it. God, if you have it, I need it. I want both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right. We're getting excited a little bit. I'm glad to see that. Last one. Last one. Last foundational truth that we're going to talk about in this series, and that's this. The Holy Spirit gives renewed power. Say that with me. Yeah, all right. Come on. (laughs) Say that. Holy Spirit gives renewed power. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You might think, well, well, J.D., you know, what's that all about? Yeah, okay, it was a whole new group of people that were being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not the case. Here's what's happening. Acts chapter 4, this was sometime after Pentecost, maybe several weeks after. But if you read through this story, we know that some of the same people that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, some of those 120 are here today on this day in Acts chapter 4. And they were filled again and were thus enabled to speak with renewed power. Here's what was happening. There's this 40-year-old guy who had never walked a day in his life. He's been a cripple since birth. And his family would come out and he would, they would bring him to sit outside of the temple gate in Jerusalem. And he would sit there and he would beg every single day. And so you know, all the good Jews, they've got to go to temple at some point. So everybody in the entire city knows this guy. And Peter and John come by one day and uh, this guy's begging. He's asking for alms. And Peter and John are like, silver and gold, we don't have any for you today, buddy. But what we do have is the power of God, the power of Jesus Christ. So we say, by that power, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does. A guy who's not walked for 40 years gets up and he starts walking around and he's praising God. And thousands of people see him. Thousands of people witnessed this. And then the, the teachers and the religious rulers, the teachers of the law, they, they get all upset about this. They get all out of sorts about this. And they have Peter and John arrested. And so they, they call Peter and John in front of the council. And they're trying to tell them, hey, here's what, what's going on? What happened here? Well, Peter and John tell them what's happening and they're like, oh, crud, everybody knows this guy. And everybody's thousands of people have seen him walking around. Well, I tell you what, we're going to let you off if you promise not to, you know, do things in the name of Jesus anymore. You can't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. You can't pray in the name of Jesus anymore. You can't do anything in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, Peter and John agree. No, that's not what they do. <laughs> they said, are you kidding me? This guy who hasn't walked for 40 years just got up because of the resurrection power of Jesus was flowing through his bones, the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no way. Homie, don't play that. We're not doing that. We are preaching in the name of Jesus, and you can't stop us. Well, the, the, the religious rulers, the teachers of the law, they were just like, well, we, we can't really hold them. You know, we're, It's like political suicide if we do this. So they let them go. And Peter and John, they return back to the other disciples. They return back to their church family. And they start telling them what happened. And they all start praising and rejoicing. And they start praying. And the place was shaken. And they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit. 
here's the point. What happened once can happen twice and can happen a third time. It can happen however many times. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled again and again and again. So here we are. We're at the end of this message. We're at the end of the series. And we're going to take time, just a moment, to pray and to lean in and say, Holy Spirit, fill us. So once you stand with me right now, we're about to pray and dismiss the service. And if you want to stay, feel free to stay. If you need to go, that's fine too. If you want to go get your kids and then bring them back in here, feel free to do that. But I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you're here today, and what we've been talking about, something's like resonating with you. And maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you've, you wouldn't really consider yourself to be a believer. You wouldn't consider yourself to be a Christian or one who's following Jesus. Or maybe you used to, but you're not really active. You're not really doing that anymore. and You've kind of walked away. But something now, what we're talking about is something is pulling on you to do this and make this decision and and repent and change your life. And I want to give you that opportunity to make that decision. And I want to be in agreement with you as you do it today. And here's what the scripture tells us. It says that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. If we confess Jesus as our Lord. Then we will be saved. And so here's the picture. You're doing life this way. You're doing life this way. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, hey, this is not my plan for your life. You're headed in a direction that you, you think has been to fulfill you, you know, yourself and, and self-actualization. But this is not my plan for your life. My plan for your life is that you have Jesus actualization. Because I'm glorifying Jesus. And you feel, okay, all right, well, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to repent. Which means to just change your mind. I'm changing my mind, and I'm now walking this way. I'm walking in the direction of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not really much to it, much more to it than that right there. So let's just pray together. If that's you today, you need to make that decision. I'm going to pray a prayer. Feel free to join me in that prayer or pray your own. This is, this is just not, it's not any kind of... Magic set of words. This is just talking to God, saying, God, here's what's going on with me. God, I come to you right now, and I see what I've been doing with my life, and I want to do with my life what you want and not just what I want, and so I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of doing things my way, and I give my life to you now. I'm going to choose to believe in my heart, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and that you were raised from the dead. And I'm going to confess you as Lord, meaning I'm going to say, you're in charge of my life now. You be the boss of my life now. I surrender my life to you now. And I ask you to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. And make me useful for your kingdom. Make a difference with my life. I need your help. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. 
Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.